Welcome to the Sunday morning podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Horsham. This message is by Colin Urquhart. While he was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of a man known as Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. An alabaster jar was valuable. But the ointment that was in the jar was even more valuable. And this woman could not anoint Jesus with the perfume until first she broke the jar. Never mind how valuable it was, she needed to anoint him with the perfume that was within. We believe God has called us to a year of harvest. But there's only one way that there will ever be harvest in the life of God's church. And Jesus spoke about that when he said, unless a seed falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But once it's been sown, once it has died, then it will produce a harvest. One seed will give birth to many others, 30, 60, 100 times that which was sown. But a seed has an open, hard shell or husk. And the life within the seed can only germinate and bring forth the harvest when the husk is broken. It's the same principle. What was valuable in the jar could only be used to anoint Jesus when the jar was broken. The seed of our lives can only really produce the fruit that God is wanting when the husk, the shell, the outer life is broken. Whatever that means. Now, these two chairs represent your inner life and your outer life. The inner life is the life of the Spirit where the Holy Spirit lives. I put my jacket on this chair just to signify that this is where the Holy Spirit has come to take up residence and your inner life. This is where Christ within us lives and from where he wants to rule and reign in our lives. This is where, as Jesus said, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is within us. All that is true for every person who has been born again 
and has been filled with the life of God's Spirit. The Holy Spirit is within you. Christ is within you. Heaven is within you. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is within you with all the blessings, resources, and power of that kingdom. Your outer life is your natural life. Your soul, which is really the natural person that you are, your mind, your emotions, your will, and of course your body, which expresses the life that is within your soul. Now, of course, most people in the world don't have this life in their spirit. Their spirits, to all intents and purposes, are either dead or they've been given over to wrong spirits that are operating in their lives. But when we become believers, we are brought to life with the spirit so that unlike people in the world, we don't have to live just dependent upon our natural resources, our natural lives, but we have all these riches and the supernatural life and power of God available to us. The only problem is getting the life that is in your spirit into your soul so that it's expressed in your body. Now, we can be very, very active, even as Christians, we can be very active in the things we do in our soul life. But what God is concerned about is not just what we do, but the fruitfulness of what we do, of what actually happens in the lives of people because of what we do. We can do a lot of good works just here with the soul, just like a Buddhist, a Meth- uh, 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 um uh, a Muslim, a humanist, a communist, anybody can do good works with their natural life. There's nothing particularly Christian about that. There are many people that live very sacrificial lives in service for others, although they're not believers. But what they cannot do is to have the life of God's spirit, of his life, of his power, actually infusing and filling what they're doing so that it produces not just a good outcome in the natural, but something of the supernatural life and power of God. Eternal life is somehow communicated to them because of the dynamic of the spirit that is operating through the soul and the body of a believer. So what has to happen is this life has to break out in this life. And then rivers of living water will flow out of us, just as Jesus said. And when that happens, we produce a harvest. Now, we are left with this word then, broken. Because for that to happen effectively, something has to be broken here. And until that brokenness takes place, we're like the alabaster jar that contains such riches to anoint Jesus, 
to bless Jesus, but without the breaking, much of that which he has imparted cannot be put to use. It's the same with the seed. The seed contains all the potential life that can be produced once the seed is sown, but unless it's sown, unless that life is given away to the soil, to the earth, then the husk won't be broken and the life within it will not come forth and produce the harvest. So that leaves us with this question, well, what is this brokenness all about? It's a word that you will find if you read the history of those who have experienced genuine revival. It's a word that is commonly used, that what those who experience revival actually experience is a brokenness in their lives which enables the life of God to come forth, to be expressed through their lives in a way that didn't happen before. It isn't that... uh, before they experienced a reviving move of the Spirit, they didn't have all these qualities. They had all these qualities, even beforehand, because they were believers. But something happened in their lives that caused this brokenness to take place so that the life flowed with greater freedom, greater power, more love, and more effectiveness. So... You know, with, without that brokenness, we may see, as we're seeing now, a number of people coming to the Lord, good things happening, certain lives being transformed. But with all the will in the world, we wouldn't call it harvest. It's more like gleaning than harvest. Harvest is when a great number of people get impacted, although... We still have the same life, the same anointing, the same power, but something has happened here that enables all that God has provided for us to flow through our lives in such a way that so many more lives get impacted. But it's not just that more lives get impacted, but they get impacted more deeply. That what you see is people not just turning to the Lord, but turning to Him with such a deep repentance that right from the beginning of their Christian experience, what they receive gets immediately expressed in harvest because they participate in the brokenness of the people through whom they've come to know the Lord. Are you at the same meeting that I'm at here? Okay, so what is this brokenness? Well, basically it's just dying. (laughs) Hallelujah. Uh, That's how the scripture talks about it. God says again and again in the New Testament that if you're a believer, you have died. When Paul's writing to the Colossians, he says in chapter 3, verse 3, you have died 
Now he's talking to the whole church. He's not just talking to the leadership or to some very spiritual people. He's talking to the whole church. And he's saying, you have died. And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Now what Paul is stating in that verse is that here in their spirit, in their inner man, their lives are hidden with Christ in God. But that life that is theirs in God has got to break out of their spirit, break out of the inner man and be expressed in the outer man. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. What hinders that? You. You are the only one who hinders that. God has got no desire whatsoever for his life that he's put within your inner man. He's got no desire to see that hindered in any way from being expressed in your outer man. So it's not God who hinders or prevents that. Even Satan can't prevent that because Satan has no access to your inner man. Oh, he can attack you in the soul. He can attack your body. He attacks from outside. He attacks the outer man, but he can't actually reach your inner man unless, of course, you were stupid enough to invite him in. But you wouldn't do that if you, if you are filled with the life of Jesus and with his spirit. So, the only problem that you really have is you. This message is being received really well. Thank you, Jesus. I've been praying that everybody would receive revelation this morning. Hallelujah. So what God needs to do is to break you. But he won't. He says, no, it's up to you to break yourself. It's up to you to decide that you want your outer man to be like that alabaster jar that just gets broken so that the rich life that God has put within can be poured out and will bless Jesus by the fruit that comes in your life, that is produced in your life. So, I can tell you that you are the problem in your life because I've been at this Christian business for nearly 70 years and I am well, well aware that the only problem I have in my life is me. And of course, Jesus was well aware of this. So he said to the disciples, if any man would come after me, if any man would follow me, if any man would be my disciple, if anybody would be my disciple, if anyone would be a follower of mine, he will have to deny himself 
And you see, it's the measure to which we deny ourselves that enables the life within us to be expressed through us. While I want to do something, or I want position, or I want my way, what is within me cannot be expressed through me in the way that God intends. So, you see, Paul says, giving his testimony, I have been crucified with Christ. When he died, I died. So he says to the Colossians, you died. We all died when Jesus died. So we have to, as he says to the Romans, reckon ourselves dead so that the life he has put within us can come forth. Now, you can't kill off your soul and you certainly don't want to kill your body. So what? really is the scripture talking about. Well, when Jesus took you to the cross, when you were crucified with him, what that signified is that you were going to die to living for yourself. You see, what what hinders the flow of this life? People living for themselves. Are you there? So, the scripture tells us that the only way in which to live for God is to live for others. You remember on the day of judgment, there will be the separation of the sheep and the goats? What was the difference between the two? The sheep lived for others, the goats didn't. The sheep got the reward, well done, good and faithful servants. Enter into the joy of your Lord. The goats got cast out. Because, you see, they were just like natural people doing natural things. Even some of the things that they were doing may have been good, but they weren't actually expressing the life that God has made available. So God is wanting to pour that life that he's given in us right the way through our lives. Now, what that means is this. I'm going to be very practical. Is that okay? If there's some sin that I love, and be aware that the only sins that persist in your life are those that you still love. Okay. So if there's sin in my life, that's going to restrict the flow. It doesn't matter how much God has put into me, it's still not going to flow through me in the way that he desires because he cannot express his life in sin. Because sin is anything that opposes the will of God. So if I choose to hold on to some sin... I'm choosing to hold on to something that is a contradiction to the life that God has put within me. If Christ is living in me by the power of his Spirit and I am choosing to hold on 
to some area of sin in my life, then I'm obviously saying, in effect, there's part of my life, Jesus, in which I love myself more than you. Now, Jesus says, you cannot be my disciple if there's anything that you prefer above me, above Jesus. If there's any one you prefer above me, or if you prefer yourself above me, you cannot be my disciple. That's what Jesus said. The words he actually said is you have to hate your mother, father, brother, sister, your husband, wife, even your own life. But the word hate there does not mean that you detest them. What the Greek means there is that you prefer. So if you prefer others, even those close to you that you love, if you prefer yourself to God, you're not living as a disciple. And what, what is the uh, scripture? Go into all the world and make disciples. So you make disciples who are not going to prefer themselves above Jesus. So if there's sin in our lives, we are preferring ourselves in some way. So Jesus says, if that is the case, you have to deny yourself, deny what you want, deny that love of that sin in order to take up your cross, your cross, not his cross, but your cross, which means you die to what you want for yourself in order to live for what God wants to do through you. You see? So, the same is true of disobedience. I mean, disobedience is really sin, isn't it? But if you know that there's something God is wanting you to do and you're not doing it, that's still saying to the Lord, I prefer myself to you. I prefer my will to what you want me to do. Are you understanding? Now, you see, there are so many Christians that actually the decisions that they make come from their own soul rather than from the will of God that is there in their spirit, in their inner man. Let me give you just one example. Sometimes Christians take offense. They get hurt, they take offense, they even leave churches having taken offense. That is a terrible sin. Why? Well, if you take offense, you have just demonstrated that you love yourself more than the will of God. Every time you take offense, that's because you love yourself. Because, you see, what does God say? What does the Spirit within you say? If somebody hurts you, you forgive them. You don't take offense, you forgive. Here is the forgiveness of God. So if somebody hurts me, if somebody wrongs me, if somebody comes against me and I take offense, that's because I still live. And you shouldn't do that to me. And God shouldn't allow you to do it to me. Well, that's offense. And then people say, God told me to go. Never, never, never. 
No, what God was saying was forgive. But you were so full of self. No, we shut out the voice of God. You see, his is the still small voice. Your soul and the devil shout at you. And it's much easier to hear the shout than the still small voice. So, I'm my own problem. I can remember when I was at school, I was only a young lad, and I can't remember what the situation was, but I was sent to the headmaster. And uh, this, was, this was really before I knew the Lord, because I was very young at this time. But uh, I can remember what he said to me. He said, Colin, you are your own worst enemy. That was a word from God. I didn't realize it then, but I came, see, I can still remember it. This is about 70 years ago but I can still remember it. And it's true for all of us. We want to blame the enemy. We want to blame other people. And actually, we're the one at fault. Nobody else can make you sin. Jesus never wants you to sin. You are the only one who chooses to sin. No one can force you to disobey. Jesus never wants you to disobey. You choose to disobey. So, I believe we're a blessed church. The reason why we're blessed is we preach the gospel here. We don't preach a watered-down version just to try to make it acceptable to people, you know, so that you can have a nice religious Christian life. No, no, no. We want to live as disciples because... God has given us this vision of harvest, of multiplication, 5,000 households, not people, households. That's about 20,000 people being impacted by this church. Not sometime in the distance, but in the near future. Amen? I mean, we're just going to start another congregation in the 25-mile radius. God gave me a word a few weeks ago and said, I want you to have 18 congregations within the next five years in the, five, in the 20 mile radius. Now the rate we're going, there's going to have to be a real speeding up of the way we plant those other congregations. But that's okay because I believe the life of the Spirit is going to break out. Yeah. Hallelujah. Break out of our lives. Okay, now how's this going to happen? Well, obviously, the more we submit our outer life to the inner life so that Jesus can really rule and reign in our outer life, then the more is going to happen. That is a decision that everybody has to make. Obviously, it's also a work of faith because 
We have to believe that we have what Jesus says we have and that if we do what he tells us to do, then what we have will be expressed in what we do. It's not blinding science, really. It's just very simple, isn't it? So listen. Now, actually, these words were, or part, part of this verse was quoted earlier when we were hearing the testimonies about small groups. This is what is written in 2 Chronicles chapter 7. But listen, listen carefully. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves, that's your outer life, and pray, and, now we heard about the prayer, but there's an and, seek my face. and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Seek my face. New Testament, Hebrews, talking about the great men and women of faith of former generations. It says in chapter 11 of Hebrews, verse 6, and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he is who he is and that he rewards Who? Those who earnestly seek him. So there's more to just praying and denying ourselves, repenting when there's sin and disobedience. All that is essential. But in both these scriptures, which really talk about the healing of the land, the harvest that God wants to see, there's this phrase about seeking God, seeking His face. We always begin the first week of every term in the college. We used to call it Seeking the Lord Week. And then one a young person who is not yet a believer saying, are you trying to find Him? So... We thought this, this is not actually conveying what we mean. So we changed the title from Seeking the Lord Week to Meeting with God Week. But actually to seek the Lord is to meet with God. And we've just had the first week of term. It was an exceedingly important, very powerful time. You can download the messages because they're all being put up there on the internet and I appreciate that most people weren't able to come. It's not, of course, just the Word. It's what, the way the Spirit moved after the Word. Uh, and that, I'm afraid, we cannot encapsulate uh, in a download. But 
if your heart is open to hear the messages, then I believe the Spirit of God will operate in your life. And tomorrow and Tuesday morning, we don't have um, a normal lecture program, but all the students will be seeking his face all morning. What that means is that they will be meeting with God, encountering God. How does that fit in? Because what we're doing is we're seeking Him so that all He has imparted to us can be reflected more fully within us. Pastor Clive had to miss a couple of the meetings because he had some important meetings up in London. He wasn't there one evening and the following morning. When he came back on the following evening, he said there was a totally different sound in what was happening you know, in the worship and prayer, totally different sound than there was the day before, just by missing two meetings. Why? Because God had done so much just in those 24 hours. We give time at the beginning of the college term to meet with God. And I guarantee, guarantee, every time, people's lives will be transformed as a result. I pray that more and more of you, of the people that belong to the church here, will come to the college. Some members of the congregation have done that. You can work it out because most of the sessions are in the morning. Some people, you know, work from home or... or change the the way in which they work so they can work from home. Some um, housewives and mothers can work it in with their children at school and so on and so on and so on. It It can all be done if there is the will for it to be done. It doesn't mean that only those who come to the college experience breakout. No, no, God wants to break out in all of our lives. Jesus told the disciples that the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven was within them. And he told a whole lot of parables about the kingdom. And it says in Matthew 13, 33, he told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked through all through the dough. Now, my, my wife used to make bread every morning when we lived in community. It's wonderful. You could get up in the morning. It's lovely smell of fresh baked bread. Happy memories. Uh, <laughs> 
So I know all you need is a little leaven. Compared with the size of the dough, you need a little leaven, a little leaven, and then it works through the whole dough. Well, you see, you can, you can look at this in a corporate way, that a, a little leaven, few people really on fire for God, can begin to affect a whole congregation. You can understand it that way. But understand it personally. A little leaven of the life of Christ within you can work through the whole dough of your outer life, of your soul and your body. This life of the kingdom. So how can you seek God? without having all the advantage of, of being with a whole group of other people that have the same purpose and you've got the time to do it with them. How can you do it? Well, it must be possible because Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then everything will be added to you in your outer life. So if I seek the Lord just on my own because, you know, I have to do that long before the students come uh, for the beginning of, of, of the week. I, I, I'm, I'm meeting with God, seeking him so that, you know, I can lead others to do likewise. But, you see, if I'm seeking the Lord, if I'm seeking his face, What's the desire of my heart? I'm saying, Lord, I want more of what you put into my spirit in my life. More of your love. More of your authority. More of your power more of your life, more of your joy, more of your peace. Because I want to be more fruitful for your glory. But I don't just sort of say, oh Lord, I want more. No, Lord. I want to seek you because I want to know from you what you need to do in my life so that more of what you put in me can be expressed through me. Oh yes, Lord, if there's sin, I'm going to repent of the sin. If there's selfishness, if I still want my way, my will above your way, then Lord, I need to repent and surrender my will to your will. Oh Lord, if, if, if there's any disobedience in, in my life, then I want your Holy Spirit to reveal that so I can repent of that disobedience and come into a place of peace with you. But Lord, more than that, I want to seek you. I want to know you much more than I do now. I want to know your love, know your grace, know your power, know your authority, know, know you. I want to seek you so that more of you fills my prayer, fills my witness 
fills my daily work life, fills my relationships, causes fruit. You see, the truth, beloved, is this. That if you don't seek him for more, you won't, only, you won't even use what you already have. That's a spiritual reality in your life. The only way by which you can actually express all you have now is to seek him for more. None of us can ever say, I've received everything that I need. I can now live the life that God wants me to live. I'm already being as fruitful as God wants me to be. I'm already obeying all that he's telling me to do. No, no, my friend. That's not true of me and it's not true of you either. It's not true of any believer. So what does it mean to seek his face as the scripture says? I want more of him. Now I want you to use your imagination just as we we've draw this mission to a close. This mission, it is a mission. It is a mission. It's not just a ministry, it's a mission. <laughs> I want want you to imagine the heavenlies. The heavenlies over here, see? Now, in your spirit, you can't contain all that is in the heavenlies. Huh? But, the scripture says, all that is in the heavenlies is yours. Because God has blessed you with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Are you there? So, what I want is to download into my spirit more and more of these riches and resources that are mine. Now, what, you see, the Holy Spirit lives in you. Yes, this, this, this represents that. Yes, 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 yes. Jesus says, the Holy Spirit does not do anything from himself. He doesn't even speak from himself. He does only what he hears. Why? Because the Holy Spirit within you is in touch with the heavenlies. Now, not even Jesus in his humanity could contain all the glory and all the power that he had in heaven. That's why the scripture said he made himself, listen, listen, Jesus made himself in his natural life nothing. He emptied himself of a divine glory. He he humbled himself before God. And so he had to live totally dependent upon the Spirit, upon his Father in heaven. So the Holy Spirit was downloading from the Father. Jesus said, I speak no words of my own. The Father Speaking through Jesus. Jesus said, I do nothing. I do nothing myself. I do only what I see my Father doing. 
See? So what, what, what was the result when Jesus acted? Well, people were set free. People were healed. Miracles were happened. I mean, it all, he never failed. Why? Because this was happening. Now, if I seek his face, what am I, seeking, what am I saying? Lord, I need more of this. I need more of that. You've made me a co-heir with Christ. Well, I need more of that life that I have in Christ to be downloaded in my spirit. And I want to live that broken life, broken of all that self-dependence, selfishness, and all those things of self, so that more of your life will flow through my life and out of my life, just like Jesus. Because you say in your word that whoever claims to live in Christ must walk as Jesus did. And how did Jesus walk? He walked like this. So it's not just a question of saying, oh, well, I'm anointed. I've received the Lord. The Lord lives in me. And yeah, you know, I can see God doing this and this and this. No, 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 no. More of you, Lord. More of you. Less of me. The more there is of you, the less there will be of me. I'm ready to die to anything of myself that stands in the way of what you want to do through me. Is that right? The great thing is, I don't have to put myself to death. Because I was crucified with Christ, I just have to reckon, Lord, when you went to the cross, I died with you. So this stuff that hinders you, you've already dealt with that. All I have to do is to apply that death to those things that you accomplished when you took me to the cross. I have to make that decision. I have to exercise that faith. But then I am free from those things. They don't have to persist in my life any longer. And more of your life will be reflected in my life. So don't think that you've got to become a student or be a member of the team to seek his face. No, no, this is a word in Scripture for all of us. Don't think it's just content because we're people of prayer. We do a lot of praying in this church. But added to the prayer, Scripture says you pray and seek. Because then, there will be more power in the prayer. More power in the witness. More power in the way you minister to others. Amen. Beloved, never think you've arrived. We're all on a journey. 
And God always has much, much more that he wants to give to us, to impart to us, to flow through our lives. Come on, let's all stand. Have you heard from the Lord this morning? You must be deaf if you haven't. <laughs> let's close our eyes. Put the focus on him now. You can't, you see, you can't seek the Lord without putting the focus on him. If it was longer, I would show you how the devil trips up most Christians simply by getting them to focus on themselves. So even most of their prayer life is focused on themselves. All their concerns are about themselves. Jesus says, take no thought about yourself. Don't be anxious about anything. Don't worry about anything. But Christians get anxious and worried because they're all concerned about themselves. That death principle hasn't been applied to their lives. So, Father, we thank you for the perfect work that you've done in Christ. We thank you, Lord, that when he went to the cross, he took us with him. That we might have an entirely new life. And thank you, Lord, you don't want the new life to be hindered by a lot of old rubbish. Thank you that on that cross you overcame all sin and the power of sin. Thank you that there's no sin that needs to continue in our lives. No sin that needs to persist. There's no sin from which we cannot be set free as soon as we want to be set free. Thank you, Lord, that we only have salvation because of your perfect obedience. And thank you that you tell us, if you love me, you will obey my commands. So, Lord, thank you that we have no excuse for any disobedience to your word in our lives. No excuse for any disobedience to your spirit. So we thank you for your blood. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you, Lord, that whenever we turn to you in repentance, you cleanse us from all the sin, all the guilt, from all the acts of disobedience, from all the ways in which we failed you. So we don't have to walk through life with that burden of guilt and sin and failure. That you take all that burden and lift it from us. You set us completely free. But Lord, we want to be in that place where we don't love ourselves so that we keep persisting in doing the same things again and again and again and having to come back to you and say, Lord, I've done it again. Oh, Lord. No, we want to be set free from all those things, Lord. We want to die to all those things. Lord, we want to seek your face. We want to meet with you so that more and more of your life and your love and your power flows through our lives in the way that you desire. So we give you glory, we give you honor and praise. Lord, I pray for a real anointing to be upon the students and the team as they spend time seeking your face this week. But Lord, I pray that everybody in the church, we will all be seeking your face this week. We'll be all reaching out for more. 
But we're not leaving it to the students. We're not leaving it to the team. But all of us, Lord, we want to see more fruit in our lives. We want to see your spirit breaking out. We want to see the inner man breaking out into the outer man so that we express more and more and more of your life and we bear much more fruit for the glory, praise and honor of your holy name. So we thank you, Lord. We bless you, Jesus. Now just just as we finish, just keep your eyes closed for a minute. Because you see, God, God is saying to you, My child, in all this, my purpose is to bless you. Because the more you are blessed, the greater a blessing you will be to me and to others. So my purpose is always to bless you, to empower you, to enable you. In my love for you, I want the best for you. So don't put any hindrance in the way of that blessing. Amen. Let's thank the Lord, shall we? Praise you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.